0: When you become focused on gaining stuff, when you are consumed with what you don't have or even what you do have, when that is the
1: love, that is the love of your life, you will be spiritually dull. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect
0: take your Bible and turn with me in God's Word to the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, Acts chapter 16. And I want to begin with a very simple question today. I think you can relate. Do you ever feel like God doesn't make sense? Can anybody relate to that today? Do you ever feel like God doesn't make sense? You've done what God said you should do. You went where God said you should go. You've said what God said you should say, and yet you look around you at the circumstances of life and go, what? I don't, I don't understand, Lord. This doesn't make sense to me. Things still don't seem to be working out. Acts chapter 16 is a chapter in the Bible where I think you could say, sometimes God, it it doesn't look like you make
1: sense.
0: Now that doesn't mean that we are not aware of God's sovereignty. God is a sovereign God who is on his throne. We even can amen phrases like this, God is not caught off guard by our circumstances. I love the phrase, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to our God? He never has aha moments. So we know that. We know that we see now through a glass dimly and one day we'll see face to face. We know those answers. We went to Sunday school. But we look at some of the circumstances of our life and we say, God, it doesn't seem like this makes sense. And, and really, you could look at Acts chapter 16 and say that over and over and over again. Remember what had just happened in Acts 15? Uh, the apostles met together in Jerusalem, what is now known in church history as the Jerusalem council, and it was established once and for all. No, all these rituals, all these things that you've been doing, saying that that ties to your salvation, it does not have to be done. For example, you do not have to be circumcised. To be saved. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. You're saved by God's grace, settled once and for all. Acts chapter 16, Paul decides to go on his second missionary journey. So he assembles his team. Part of his team is young Timothy. He gets Timothy, and what's the first thing Timothy has to do? Paul calls him and says, hey buddy, I've made a little arrangement before we go on this hundreds of mile walk. I've arranged for you to be circumcised. And when you just look at that on the surface, that doesn't make sense. But then you begin to understand the apostle Paul is living out this principle that he's then taught to us that we do all things to all people so that by some means we might reach even just one. I mean, we don't want to cause others to stumble. And then this same Paul, he's he's wanting to serve God. He's just wanting to go where God wants him to go. And so he makes plans to go on this journey, and God says, no, don't go there. In fact, God tells him to go somewhere else. It's one of those passages in the New Testament where it says Paul is constrained, he's compelled by the Holy Spirit of God. And on the surface, you and I would look at that and go, that does not make sense. Man's just trying to serve Jesus, and God's closing doors in his face. Have you ever felt like you were trying to do something right and the door closed? Amen. I have. But but now we know that God was using Paul to take the gospel to Europe. What a, what a great example of, of God at work. And just throughout this chapter, you see that time and time and time again. We all face those hot water moments of life where we feel like, The water around us is boiling. We don't know what to do. We don't understand. We can't see God's plan. Those hot water moments. John Gordon is a motivational speaker. He wrote this little book called The Coffee Bean. He tells a parable in it that I think is a a great life story. He, He talks about how we're influenced by those hot water moments of life I thought I would illustrate it to you today, so we've got a burner here that, that is uh, um, boiling some hot water, and, and in this hot water, uh, for example, we put a carrot, and what happens to a carrot when you put it in hot water, uh, don't be afraid, I, I've got a license here, uh, what happens to a carrot when you put it in hot water? It softens, and, and some of you have been in the hot water moments of life, and it softened you, but not in a good way. It's just caused you to feel weak and unable to go forward, and you're just getting mushed up by life. And then he talks about the egg, and what happens when you put an egg in hot water and it boils? Yeah, watch this. I'm glad they didn't trick me and, and put, put a non-hard-boiled non-hard, egg there. That would have been ugly. Um, no, an egg hardens in that hot water. And some of you have kind of been like that in life and, and you've gone through those boiling experiences, the hot water moments, the things you don't understand and it's just hardened you and you think you're tough but everybody around you just sees you as Hard. Then he talks about the coffee bean. At the end of our mission trip to Ecuador recently, we visited a, a coffee farm. I loved visiting the coffee. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I, I loved visiting the coffee farm. We watched uh, we watched the coffee being planted, we, we watched the coffee being harvested, and, and then they even showed us the different aspects of the coffee bean, and then, of course, they let us drink the coffee. Thank you, Jesus. It was so nice. But what happens when you put the coffee bean in the water? Some of you say, now, if it's ground, it would make coffee, but the truth is, even a whole bean, when put in hot water, may take a little longer, but it will make nice coffee. And everybody knows that coffee Makes you more like Jesus, amen? No, no, no. No, No, but what what, what I want you to see is that coffee, the coffee bean influenced the environment it was in. The the carrot was softened by the hot water, The, the egg was hardened by the hot water, but the coffee influenced the water in a good way. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to understand there are going to be moments in your life you don't understand. There are going to be seasons you go through that do not make sense. There are going to be puzzles that come before you that you don't feel like you can get the pieces together. But I want you to be the bean. I want you to be the change agent in that kind of environment. I want you to be the one who sees God work for your good and for his glory and I want, to, I want you to see that straight out of the book of Acts. Now, remember what's taking place all throughout the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit of God advances the church. We see the enemy raise up. And when the enemy rises up, uh, he kind of comes after the church in two ways, right? From within and from Without And so he infiltrates the church from within, and there's division, and that is not good. And, and so the apostles have to deal with that. Deacons are formed to deal with division in the church, that infiltration from within. And then we see Satan attack without, and we see persecution. And, and so one of those deacons, Stephen, became the first martyr of the church. His life was lost because of his faith in Christ. And around the world, we see both of these today. What's interesting, in our culture, in the United States of America, we don't see as much persecution. And I think it may be because the enemy is getting his job done from within. He, he doesn't have to persecute Christ followers when, when they're disrupting the mission themselves. When we're divided amongst ourselves. And and so you you see both of these things taking place in Acts 16. This is the word of God. Look at verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer. Oh, I wish we could get through more than just one phrase of scripture without me stopping. But I I need you to see what Paul was doing. They were going to a place of prayer. (laughs) Amazing things happen when we pray. It's interesting, not just in this chapter, but all throughout Paul's missionary journeys to see how often it says he was going to a place of prayer. I want to remind you that God can do more in a moment of prayer than you can do alone in a lifetime. When we prioritize prayer, God shows up. So we were going to a place of prayer and we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. This is what we know so far. This was a slave girl. She was owned by other people, but she had this spirit, this demonic spirit within her. In the original language, this spirit of divination as it's translated here is literally a spirit of prediction. She's a fortune teller. And so you may just need to be reminded that even today, fortune telling, palm reading, that's not of God, that's of the devil. Don't go to a palm reader and give them money. You want to know your future? Give me money, I'll tell you.
1: If you've just joined us, You're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
0: So she was a palm reader in all senses. She was, had this spirit of divination and she was making her owners money because of what she had done. And notice verse 17, she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very hour. Now, this is kind of a crazy story, isn't it? I read this and it does not make sense because I've got this lady that we've just said is inhabited by this spirit that is demonic and yet she's following God's missionary and what is she saying? Hey, listen to this guy. He wants to tell you how to be saved. Sounds pretty good. It it reminds me of a truth I I think you need to understand. I, I believe scripture teaches that deeply embedded in every soul is this desire for salvation. This understanding that you are not what you want to be, but you want to be all that you can be. I've recognized, it took me a while in ministry, but I've recognized that most people don't need to be told that they're bad. Most of us recognize that we fall short. And so deeply embedded within us is this God-shaped void that makes us recognize there is a need for something greater than me. There is a need to be saved. And so it seems like a good message. Hey, this guy, he serves the one true God. Follow him and you'll know how to be saved. But in this story, we're we're taught an important principle. Not everything that seems good is good. And if you can learn that in life, boy, that's a big deal. The Bible says that Satan himself even disguises himself as an angel of light. And so there are going to be things in our life that seem on the surface like this is good. This is going to be fun in the moment. This is going to make my life better. I'm going to really enjoy it. But not everything that seems good is good. On the message, her, on the surface, her message seemed great, but but it was annoying Paul. I I can somewhat relate to this. Years ago in our church, there was someone up in the balcony and they were talking back during the message, just kind of like some of you have done during this message. You know, when we talk back during a message, it's like, amen, or preach it, or my friend Robert says, whoa, or, or, or something, <laughs> something like that. that's talking back in the service. But this guy, things just weren't quite right, and it was off. And so even though what he was saying was not bad, it had become a distraction. And so our, our safety team kind of gathered around, and then it became a real distraction. Some of you might remember that. So I can relate to the Apostle Paul. I mean, one day this guy, lady's following him, and she saying, hey, he serves the one true God. He'll tell you how to be saved. Paul's like, all right, okay, okay. Hey, he follows the one true God. He'll tell you. Every time he would try to open his mouth, he would hear her saying, hey. He follows the one true God. He'll tell you how to be saved. He was annoyed. That's what the scripture says. He was annoyed by her. And so he turns to her and says, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And we are reminded that our power is in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. So what happens? Well, her owners, remember she's a slave girl. Her owners do not like this. Verse 19, when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Their hope of gain was gone. Much of the world, many of the people you see in buildings like this and out of them, many people are driven by a hope of gain. I want to remind you that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us that our hope is not in the things of this world, that our hope is in an eternal home. You can, in this passage, see what the scriptures mean when it says, the love of money is the root of all sorts, all kinds of evil. So this this was a different kind of evil, but it was stemming, we're taught, from the love of money. And maybe you just need to be reminded, though it's not the focal point of this message and this passage of Scripture, maybe you need to be reminded today that the love of money will blur your spiritual perception. When you become focused on gaining stuff, when, when the drive of your life is material possession, when you are consumed with what you don't have or even what you do have, when that is the love. That is the love of your life. You will be spiritually dull. So they didn't like this. So they turned Paul and Silas over to the authorities in the city. Look at verse 20. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. They are disturbing our city. The New International Version says they're throwing our city in an uproar. I read that and I I feel conviction because I think, when's the last time that's been said of me? That because of what I've preached or because of what I believe, because of the demonstration of my faith that the city's in an uproar. When's the last time that's been said of our church, that that our demonstration of the gospel, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has so shaken our world that the city is disturbed. That's New Testament Christianity. Verse 21, they continue their charges. They advocate customs that are not lawful to us as Romans to accept or practice. get used to that that's where we're headed in this culture if you practice biblical christianity you will be encountering people who say hey what you are espousing what you are believing how you are suggesting we live our life no nah, that's not how we do it here and then the crowd joined in attacking them say the crowd and I want you to remember this. There's always going to be a crowd. And, and most people are just in the crowd. Yep. And the crowd is mostly followers. Yep. And so they're going to go whichever way the wind is blowing... So they joined in and attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them. They stripped them. They gave them order to beat them with rods. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul and Silas were in hot water. I'm sure they were thinking, God, this doesn't make sense. We went where you told us to go. We did what you told us to do. We even said what you told us to say. Wherever we go, we're doing whatever it takes to shine with the light and love of Jesus. And now this, this is my reward. This is what I get for living the Christ life. doesn't make sense. I've been attacked, I've been stripped, I've been beaten, I've been thrown in prison and as if that wasn't enough, they threw me into the deeper dungeon and then they put my feet in the shackles and stocks. God, this doesn't make sense. So let me ask you a question. Your day's probably not been that bad. You may not have experienced those kinds of trials and hot water moments in your life, but what do you do When God doesn't seem to make sense. Because what you do in those moments say a whole lot about where you're placing your faith. Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, what? You talk about something that doesn't make sense? That does not make sense to me. After they had been attacked and stripped and beaten and thrown in prison and thrown in the deeper dungeon and put in stocks, then they're praying and praising God? They're worshiping in that moment? That doesn't make sense. But it teaches me something. The prisons of your life will either lead you to praise God or cause you to pity yourself. And one of those is putting the focus on God. The other is putting the focus on you. Praise places your focus on God. Pity places the focus on you. And so what happened? Here's the punchline. Look at verse 26. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com and join us next Sunday at noon for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910.